Good morning, and grace and peace to you on this beautiful fall Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're worshiping with us at Gatlin First United Methodist Church. We welcome you, and we hope that you uh, feel right at home, even if you are sitting at home today and worshiping with us online. We love being connected with you and worshiping God with you from the heart. I have a couple of announcements I'd like to pass on your way. And um, one is this coming Tuesday at 6.30, every Tuesday at 6.30, we always have our mosaic uh, worship service. And we have it outside in the courtyard. We bring our lawn chairs and, and have a great time worshiping together. This coming Tuesday is going to be All Saints Tuesday. Um, we have All Saints Sunday on the first Sunday of the month. And since we do meet on Tuesday nights for Mosaic, we're going to do it this coming Tuesday night. So if you want to come to an All Saints service on a Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday is the night that you come. And Wednesday night, the youth are carving pumpkins. Is that right? And these are pumped, and there will be absolutely no mess made. Uh, Andy guarantees there's going to be no mess and no, you know, whatever, carving pumpkins. Uh, next Sunday is going to be so exciting for the children's program. Uh, out at Mark and Allison Casey's farm, uh, we're doing a trunk or treat for the kids, and it's a family event. There's going to be, I don't know, hot dogs. There's going to be a petting zoo. I'm excited about the petting zoo. There's going to be a bouncy house. Um, if you would like to participate by bringing your car and decorating your trunk and being there to uh, do trunk or treat for the kids. Contact uh, Catherine Barnes. Catherine, raise your hand. And uh, you know Catherine, contact her, let her know that you can help. And, and this will be next Sunday afternoon from two to four. And that's all the announcements that I have right now, but I will ask that you join me for a word of prayer as we start. Gracious God, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing together this morning on the Lord's Day, I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 526, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
remain standing, please, and join us from home, if you will, and let us all uh, confess this great Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. some children waiting down in the nursery for a children's church uh, so if anybody wants to join miss Catherine Barnes they're gonna have some fun down there like I said there's already some down there waiting for her um, before we have our prayer time I wanted to let you know our mission focus from our missions team uh, for the month of October is manna and we have a short video uh, from manna and uh, just go ahead and take a look at your screens it's gonna be for you at home there as well Hey everybody, I am here with Laura Johnson, the director of MANA. Um, so can you tell everybody, some people watching have, might have no idea what MANA is. Can you let them know what it is? Certainly. MANA is the Metropolitan Area New Nutrition Association. And what we do is we have volunteers that deliver, uh, most of the time, a hot, dot-specific meal to our elderly, disabled, and homebound here in Etowah County. Awesome, awesome. And what area does that cover? We cover parts of Gadsden, uh, Rainbow City, Southside, and Atala. With more volunteers, we could cover more area. Oh, okay, that's awesome. And I have a, a question for you that I'm sure many people are wondering. Um, have you lost volunteers or funding due to COVID? COVID has actually hit Mano pretty hard. Uh, beginning March 26th, we had to change to sack lunches instead of the uh, entree, three sides, in an insulated tray that our clients would normally get. Uh, but to you know, go along with the CDC guidelines, we had to change to a sack where there was no contact. We were doing knock and drops, and um, but unfortunately, we still lost nearly over a hundred volunteers. Wow. We've been blessed with the volunteers that have stayed with us. I actually have two sisters that have delivered every single day since March 26th. And most of the time it's two and three routes, sometimes wow. four or five in a day's time. So I'm very grateful for the volunteers that have stuck with us, but we've lost a lot. And um, we're having to you know, replenish those volunteers so we can start delivering to more people that need this. 
And it's more than uh, just bringing a meal because you get to wave to the person and, and see somebody, right? It is so much more. And as a matter of fact, I had a shirt made one time, so hashtag more than a meal. Because it is. Uh, a lot of times, MEDA volunteers are the only people uh, that our clients see in a day's time. Um, most of our clients don't drive. A lot of them have uh, family and children, but they live out of state. So we're there to bridge that gap of isolation as well as being kind of a safety check. And, and a lot of children of our clients, they depend on us more for that safety check than they do the food because obviously they're out of state and our volunteers become so accustomed to our clients and who they're delivering to, they're normally the first ones to notice if something's wrong. If they're, you know, if the client's having an issue or something's just not right. So, we're kind of like that first line of defense right there, too. But yes, it's so much more than a meal. Well, that's awesome. If somebody watching this right now says, I would love to drive for MANA or help in some way, how would they do that? Well, they can look us up on our Facebook page, MANA of Gadsden, or go to our website, managadsden.org, which there's a form to volunteer you can fill out, and uh, it'll be emailed to me. Or just call us at the office, 256-543-5876. Leave me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You can guarantee that because we really need volunteers. And I know it's been a rough year for so many organizations financially. If somebody's watching this, they say, I would love to give to MANA. How would they do that? That would be wonderful. You can also donate on our um, website at managadston.org. I'm sorry. Or again, you can give us a call. Uh, we can talk. We can meet. You can mail it to me. Um, anything that, you know, I'll, I'll gladly meet you at Johnson's, <laughs> whatever we can do, because uh, COVID really has hit us hard. We were unable to have any kind of fundraisers this year. Uh, the majority of our donations come from local churches, and as everyone knows, churches struggled when COVID first started. They weren't meeting, or we were trying to have outdoor services, and, uh, and then our economy, everybody was so unsure, so it set in that fear. And, and I understand that people have a fear of, giving because they don't know when they're going to get again. And, and, and that had a lot to do with uh, a lot of the participants that normally uh, uh, come together with us on our golf tournaments and stuff. They just said, well, you know, we can't even pay our employees this year. So it's been rough all across the board. But MANA has been going strong since day one. We have not stopped delivering meals since all this has happened. We've actually delivered since March 26th until September 30th. During COVID, we've delivered 13,333 meals. That is during amazing. COVID. That's amazing. During COVID. That's amazing. I'm very blessed with the volunteers that I have and very blessed to be able to have this position and be able to continue to do it through the pandemic. It's been rough, but we're, we're going strong. So if you're watching this, uh, go and help with MANA if you're able to. And please be praying for MANA. They do so much good in our community. Thank you yes. so much Thank for being you. with us. Thank you for having us. And everybody, just remember MANA in your prayers. And uh, as we all think about all of you, thanks. As I'm sure uh, when you're watching that video, many of you are so familiar with the ministry of MANA in our community. Um, and I want to let everybody know here and watching online, uh, you can continue to give to the church uh, through our website or by mail or here at the church uh, in person. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we pray for all the gifts given 
um, to the church. We pray that you will use them for your kingdom, for your glory. And we pray for manna. We pray for this awesome ministry. Um, we pray for every person that's delivering those meals and also those who are receiving the meals. Um, God, we lift up those in our church who are sh currently uh, shut-ins or um, recovering from a surgery or in the hospital. God, we lift them up to you. We lift up all the doctors and nurses right now who are dealing with COVID and just working stressful hours. God, give them peace. We pray for so many in our communities, our teachers, our students, those who are just having um, to do things differently this year. God, give them patience. And we don't know the words to pray for our community. We remember the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
We have an awesome music ministry here at the church, don't we? Amazing. So uh, we've been starting a sermon series here when, it's, uh, when you're over it, but it's not really over. That's a good way to describe uh, 2020, isn't it, Pastor Sam? So uh, maybe today's message, maybe you will say, I need to be a better friend when we leave here. Or maybe you'll say, I need some better friends. <laughs> um, have you heard the story of Job before? Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in person and, and you say, I'm not real familiar with the story of Job. But I'll give you a brief explanation of some of it is Job is a really good guy. He's a man of integrity, uh, just an all-around good person. And Satan thinks he's only good because he's been blessed with so much stuff, right? How will he act when everything is taken from him? And what can we learn from it? But there's also another lesson in the story of Job. It has to do with Job and his friends. During 2020, and maybe even, I think, the beginning of 2021, we may have times that we're hurting, or there's going to be times where we have friends that are hurting pretty bad. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And before Job's friends show up, I want to give you a little recap. And Pastor Sam dove into some of this last week. Job's children, all his children, have died. Now his servants are also dead. His animals and his crops are gone. So that's all his wealth. Um, so this is pretty terrible. And his wife, as we learned last week, tells him, Why don't you curse God and die, Job? And wait, there's more. Pastor Sam, do you know there's more? It's going to get worse than this for this guy. He's going to get severe sores from his head to his feet. That's pretty terrible, right? That sounds worse than anything in 2020, doesn't it? So what could Job use right now? I know what you're thinking. He needs his friends, doesn't he? He needs his friends to come be there with him. So that's where we are today. And here's our scripture I'm opening with. This is Job 2, 11 through 13. When Job's three friends heard about all the disasters that happened to him, they came, each one from his home, Eliphaz from uh, Temin, Bildad from Shua, and Zephor from Nema. They agreed to come so they could console and comfort him. When they looked from a distance, they didn't recognize him. They wept loudly. Each one tore their garment and scattered dust above his head toward the sky. They sat with Job on the ground for seven days and seven nights, not speaking a word, for they saw that he was in excruciating pain. Job's in bad shape, wouldn't you say? You know it's bad when they go to see Job and they don't recognize him. Have you ever uh, cared about somebody and you hadn't seen him in a while? When you see him, you don't recognize him? It's a sad thing, isn't it? And that's the way it was when they go to see Job. They don't recognize him. I'm going to tell you, these friends are going to get some stuff wrong in the scriptures we're about to read. But I'm going to tell you what they got right. They are present. They are there. They came. And if you noticed, they each came from a different place. Now, it wasn't like it is today. They couldn't just text each other. They really had to work on communicating with each other about going to see their friend Job. Not only that, not only were they present, did they go there. But they also planned on staying a while. It says right here, seven days and seven nights. They had to take off from whatever job they had, maybe taking care of cattle, working a farm. They left it to be with their friend. But most impressive is that they were just there and they were quiet. It says they were silent for seven days, just sitting with him. 
Have you ever just sat with somebody who's grieving? Maybe it was in a hospital somewhere. You just sat with your friend in silence. And I know some of you have done that. But maybe you noticed in this story, Benny, I bet you noticed this when I read this. Because me and Benny think a lot alike on this topic. These folks, these friends, it doesn't sound like they were Methodist or from Gadsden, Alabama. Because it doesn't talk about them bringing a pie, did it? Did they bring a pie? doesn't say. Did they, did they run by Pruitts? They didn't run by Pruitts, Benny. doesn't say that. So uh, maybe that was left out of the story, but it does not mention them bringing food by. And we know that's what you do when a friend is mourning, right? So I think they got that wrong too. But do you struggle with any of the stuff that they got right? And you may think, well, I don't think so. I do, because I know when I have a friend in need, I can be present. But they said they were silent for seven days. Um, that is tough to just sit there and be quiet. I struggle with keeping my mouth shut, right? Because uh, I almost always think I have, I, I don't know, I think there's two million or more words in a day, right? And if I don't get them all out here at the church, getting to talk to people or getting to see my friends after work, by the time I get home, if I don't have all those words out, my wife will hear one million words. She will. May, is anybody else like that? Some of you, you have a certain amount of words, you've got to get them all out in a day. So, uh, but these friends, they're going to start talking soon. But if we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, maybe in those situations when our friends are grieving, we'll know when to say something and when it's okay to just be there and be silent. Um, sometimes we think we've got to offer a scripture or an inspirational phrase when simply the Holy Spirit wants us to just be there with our friend. Just be there. Just be present. I can remember this time I had a co-worker when I was about 24, 25 in Florida. And this co-worker, she had a family tragedy. She hadn't been to work in quite a while. As soon as she comes back to work, I notice every coworker is going and hugging her and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she would just start crying and grieving all over again. Now, I don't know why, but I made the decision where I wasn't going to say that. And this could come across as I'm the biggest jerk in the world, a Grinch, but I knew, it's something in my mind said, don't, don't talk to her about it. So instead, when she came by me and we were working, I said, you missed some really funny stuff when you were gone. I told her some funny stories, and I just tried to act like things were normal, right? Now, I've gotten that wrong sometimes, but in this situation, I got it right. About two weeks later, she said, thank you for making me feel normal when I came back to work. She said, uh, I knew you cared, but I just didn't want to talk about what happened anymore. I just wanted to, to have a normal day. And each person is different. And it's relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us on how to respond. Pray for God's leading, that gentle tug on what to do. Some of our friends might just want a text message, right? Some of our friends are going to want a phone call. Some of our friends are going to want Pruitts dropped off at the house when they're grieving. Um, some people in the church may want to visit in the hospital. I'm one of those people, if I'm in the hospital, just text me. I don't, I don't want people to come see me. Some of our church members may want the whole choir to come and sing to them when they're in the hospital. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. But I know for me the hardest part there is the silent part. These friends were doing good by being there and being quiet. Now these three friends are going to cover the rest of the 42 chapters of Job. All right, They're going to be in a lot of it. 
Each friend is going to make a long, drawn-out speech about why God did this to Job. So the friends had it right here at the beginning, and now they're going to mess up really bad. They are going to fill the next chapters of Job, giving long, drawn-out speeches. They're going to say, you must have really messed up, Job. You're a sinner, right? They're going to tell Job, God's getting back at you for all the wrong you've done in your life. So number one, here's the number one thing I learned from Job's friends on what they did wrong. Job's friends have bad theology about God. The way they think about God is just wrong. Um, they think everything that bad that has happened to Job is because he did something wrong, and that is simply not the case. Um, they should have stayed silent. Or if they needed to talk, they could have used words of encouragement, told them how much he was loved by God, but they did the exact opposite. And even if they were questioned on why did this happen, they could have simply said, I don't know, that's sometimes a good answer. But they rambled on and on and on about how terrible Job was. Sam talked about this last Sunday. He said that when bad things happen in the world, it's sometimes because of our foolishness. To us, when bad things happen, sometimes it's our foolishness, right? Sometimes it's because we live in a fallen world and bad things happen. Sometimes it's because people have freedom and people do terrible things to each other. But we know that Jesus brings life, healing, hope. Jesus brings the opposite of harm and destruction to us. We should tell people that. That is not what these friends did. These friends had bad theology. And I bet many of you have seen situations happen where there's a death or a tragedy and you have seen people use bad theology to explain it and it causes more harm causes more harm to that person. And if you're trying to help a friend grow closer to God, don't tell them how terrible they are and that God's punishing them. You're going to do the opposite, right? Number two, number two that I learned about the friends. Even if the friends thought they were speaking truth, maybe they thought they were supposed to tell Job something, this is absolutely not the best time to tell him that he messed up, right? We've had friends that have had a bad situation happen, and sometimes maybe they do need some speech, truth spoken to them, right? Maybe if they, they recently um, had major money problems and they're bad with their money, or, or they have a drug problem and they need to be told in love, hey, let's work on this. But this was simply not the time. Job's children had died, his servants, his, his uh, income, his wealth, it's all gone, and now he has sores from head to toe, and they're going to want to tell him how God wants to get him back. So number two, their timing is bad, right? They're not, they're not following any kind of leading on when to talk to someone about that. Number three, are they really Job's friends? Because they're judging his character really bad. If they knew Job, if they knew their friend, they would know that he is a man of integrity. They would know that he's a man who loves God. But they're speaking the exact opposite about their friend, telling him, you must have done terrible things. What have you done so wrong? They don't know their friend. They don't know their friend. And number four, everybody laughs when we say this one, but maybe these friends stayed too long. Have you ever been grieving and you have that relative or friend that stops by and that visit just stays too long and you're ready for them to leave? We've all had it. We've had it. We've had that friend, that visitor that stays too long. And here's how I know that these friends stayed too long, okay? They give long, drawn-out speeches and many of them, a lot of the chapters here in the book of Job. And Job's getting agitated. Job starts to argue with them. Job is obviously annoyed by them. And they still stay and keep doing it. 
Remember, Job has lost everything and now has sores on his whole body. He does not want to hear nagging from his friends. In Job 16.2, this is how Job responds to his friends. I've heard many of the things like this. All of you are sorry comforters, right? What's the, that's some lousy friends when you tell them. You guys are lousy comforters. And that's the point where his friends say, it's time to go. Even if they're not going to go back to their hometown, take a break, right? We've got to know when to take a break. They should have driven to Villa and taken a break, gone to eat, and then come back to see Job again. They're going to go on and nag Job and tell Job about how God was punishing him, how terrible he is, for so many chapters that the Lord's going to get involved by chapter 42. Job 42, 7 through 9. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, he said to Eliphaz from Teman, I'm angry at you and your two friends because of the way you have spoken about me incorrectly. The Lord is now angry at these friends. May we never do this. May we never be this nasty to our friend who needs us. So in 2020, and like I said, maybe parts of 2021, we will have friends that need us. They will need our comfort. And here's some lessons that maybe we can apply, that we will be silent with our friends when they need us to just be present. Maybe sometimes we need to listen instead of talk, right? We don't always have to have an inspirational quote. We don't always necessarily have to have a scripture to tell them. Ask for the Lord's leading, the Holy Spirit to guide us when we say those things, when we don't. I think because we're in Gadsden, this isn't in the Bible, but we know maybe they need some Pruitts or some Mexican food dropped off, right? Maybe they need some food. Don't use bad theology. It's okay to say we don't know why something happened. Uh, it's, it's much better than blaming God for things. Think before we speak. These friends did not do that. What we're saying, is it going to cause more harm to our friend or bring encouragement? And I want to close with this. This is our example. Jesus had some friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And you've heard of these friends before. I know you have. Lazarus gets really sick, and then he passes away. Jesus hears this news, but he's far away from them. It's going to take him four days to get there. So Jesus heads that way. In John chapter 11, this is what happens. When Jesus saw her crying and Jews coming with her crying, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. He asked them, where have you laid him? Jesus began to cry. The Jews said, see how much he loved him? When Jesus sees his friends crying, Jesus begins to cry. He deeply loved them. And Jesus even knew that he's going to heal Lazarus, right? But Jesus is sad to see his friends sad. See, I believe that when, when we are crying, Jesus is hurting. Jesus cares for each of us. Jesus is saddened when we are saddened. Jesus does not come to cause harm. God does not come to cause harm to us like these friends said in the scripture to Job. Jesus is not there to tell us how terrible we are. Instead, Jesus bring com brings comfort, hope, encouragement to us. Jesus tells us that we are children of God. Jesus tells us that we are deeply loved, cared for. Jesus reminds us that we are worth him coming to earth to live here, to face rejection, to be made fun of, to be crucified. That's how much Jesus loves each one of us. And that's how much Jesus loves our friends who are hurting.
So may we be inspired by Jesus. The way that Jesus loves, the way that Jesus inspires us. When people are hurting in our community, may we share the love of Christ, the light of Christ with those who are hurting. And may we do, in a lot of the cases, the opposite of what Job's friends did. Let's pray. Loving God, we pray that each one of us this year, when our friends and people in our community are hurting, teach us when to be silent, when to offer encouragement, when we just need to simply be present with them. Help us to not use bad theology. If we don't know the answer to something, God, help us say, we just don't know. Help us to share the love of Christ. May we truly be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you sing with us? Stand as we sing hymn 593.
So as we leave here today, may we truly uh, be friends that Jesus has called us to be to those in need. May we offer hope and the mercy and grace and love of Jesus to those who are hurting. Go in peace.